a miracle Are you ready for a miracle with UGP? Oh, radio is here to you We're gonna learn something new Are you ready for a miracle at UGP? coming at you almost live, high atop a double rainbow. As we're hooking everything up here, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got home. I had just enough time to take a shower. I probably should have skipped it. Okay. Well, a very clean underground professor back for a odd Monday night show. And we're having a Monday night show because it is Holy Week. And I'll be doing... Fat Tuesday tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, Thursday, etc. ad nauseum at all. So we're going to pop in this show, and then I will be back next week. If I might have another impromptu show, we might talk about the state of the, the, the joint session meeting that Trump is having um, with Congress. Ooh, that's too much light. Let me see. Is that better, guys? Is that better? Yeah. I think that's better. I have not getting my screen working here, and I don't know why. Oh, there we go. Now I've got stuff coming on. Now I can see my job. Woo, all right. Now we're talking. Okay, let me see here. If I do that, and then I can drop my chat room down so I can actually see it now. My screen wasn't working on the big TV. The cable wasn't all the way in. And from Southern Sensors here. Wow, how about that? Boyd from Alaska. And the name Zarina, Mary, is here, too. Uh, I don't like that lighting in my eyes, but I have the big one off for heat. I am sweating bullets right now. Okay, let me see. Where are we here? Uh, I am expecting Megan to show up. Uh, I was going to cancel the show because it's the first time we've been able to see each other in, like, two or three weeks. It seems like forever. And... um, since Well, I haven't seen her since basically Valentine's Day, 
we had both been so busy. And this is the first time we actually got a babysitter that was willing to take care of, uh, of everybody and come over. And uh, connection too poor. Am I not on? I'm not on, am I? Huh. I just realized I'm not on Periscope, evidently. Let me see if we can get that rebooted. <clears throat> and flip the camera. That's kind of weird. Okay. It looks like we're back live again on that. Sorry, Periscope. Okay. Um, now, if I can just hear the Agadors here. Wow. And in a blog talk chat room. I didn't even know that was legal. <laughs> so, the night's show is, well, first I should introduce myself. Hello, everybody. I am the underground professor. Uh, we broadcast out of the DFW area. And I am, yes, a real professor. I have been off and on the air since last November. I haven't done very much uh, with scheduling and everything. And I wanted to, um, well, I'll get into that in a minute. We, we are, of course, broadcasting high atop a double rainbow in DFW as uh, it arches over the Hermitage of North Texas's liberal conservative studies. And we are liberal conservatives here at this show. We are liberal because we believe in liberty. And this is what the founding fathers called themselves, liberals, which is why the progressives liked to call themselves liberals for quite a while, because they thought that would make them sound patriotic and that they were for liberty, the liberty of minorities, et cetera, except for all it was was a big three-card money scheme to keep them under their control, but just in a different manner. Um, we actually do believe in liberty. We believe in individual rights and freedoms and responsibilities. And you do not have rights without responsibilities. And we talk about that on this show quite a lot. We, tonight's show is Lent or God making lemonade out of crucifixion. At, uh, <laughs> Lent. And I got to go get a note. So I'm going to have to throw a song on here pretty quick because I left my notes in another room, I guess. And, and I need them today because it jogs my memory. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about Lent, setting it up. What do we do? Why are we doing it? And, and I think I'm going to look at it from a perspective you may not have thought of before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but we'll do that. And you had Lent out of my – and for Lent, I'm giving up my belly button, belly button Lent uh, anyways. So Agador says, leave it to the prop to make a show out of what you find in the bottom of your pocket. Yeah. Speaking of Lent, I like to have a cow. I'll put pictures on for the next show. But, uh, I went to the uh, Defender Outdoor Shooters range Sunday after church, and they had, uh, uh, you know, I went there to go check out their gun range, uh, and I had never been there before. And so I went to go look it out, and I liked it. Boy, it was really nice. And the, uh, I was going to sign up. And then they said, wait a minute, you're a disabled vet. And I said, that's correct, I am. And then, so they gave me something they call their gold hero package, which I told them I took an exception to the word hero, but I would take the deal. And for an extremely good price, they uh, set me up with a membership, and, uh, and I am quite happy, and I'm going to be going there quite often, probably after church every Sunday, maybe more. And so any of you guys that come through and, and contact me and want to uh, stay with me or, or visit with me, uh, we'll be going there quite frequently. The radio show is going to have a presence at that place if I have anything to say about it. But, um, but yes, um, so I'm excited. So anyway, I, I, they wanted me to shoot, but I didn't have time. And, and the truth of it was I probably had time to go shoot a couple clips off, but, uh, magazines rather, but um, I hadn't cleaned my pistol in a while and it was bothering me. So I went home and I disassembled it, my Ruger nine mil that I carry for self-protection everywhere I go. And I was very grateful that I did not pull the trigger or have to use it as self-defense. That thing was littered with lint balls and stuff from being put in and out of my clothes. And I don't remember the last time I cleaned it. I usually clean it once every week. And, uh, so anyway, it had hairballs and lint and, and dog hair in it and stuff. And I thought, man, if I'd have had to use that in a self-defense measure, I would have done it. 
but who knows what happened? It might have backfired. It might have uh, might have caused me some massive hurt. <laughs> so anyway, it's a clean, shiny weapon now, and it is ready to uh, make friends with anybody that uh, it looks at. And I'll be going to defenders uh, out there next Sunday, and then we'll talk about it on Tuesday's show. Tomorrow, the president is going to have a joint session in front of Congress. Now, it's too early to call the State of the Union because he really has no clue what the Union state is. But think about this. By now, President Obama had all of his cabinet picks. By now, he had churned out even more executive orders than Trump has, and Trump's been no slouch at it. And uh, Obama had already won the Nobel Peace Prize for whatever, for Middle East peace or something like that. And um, uh, Trump doesn't have that accolade yet. How come Trump hasn't got a Nobel Prize uh, in peace or, or anything? I mean, look, he's got an outreach program with the Mexicans and, and the Muslims and the Chinese and the Koreans, and he's talking to all of them. Matter of fact, he's already met and talked to more of them than Obama has. Uh, now, they don't like what he's saying, but, you know, why isn't he, um, why isn't he got a Nobel Prize after six weeks in office? I'm looking forward to this speech because Trump is agitating the crap out of everybody with his speeches. And he's messing with the media in ways that I only dream of doing, and I have dreamed of doing it because most of the mainstream um, media read Democrat propagandists, they're freaking out right now. They are freaking out right now because of the way he's treating them. And they keep putting this full court press on him the way they always do on Republicans. And yet Trump not being a real Republican because he's been a Democrat or Republican seven different times. So he's not playing by the same rules that Republican presidents have played, played with in the past. And that is bothering the media. They are freaking out. They do not know what to do with Trump. Trump doesn't care. The media, as, as Rush Limbaugh would probably say, I haven't listened to him in quite a while, but I'm pretty sure what he would say is, is the media didn't make him, so the media can't destroy him. He used to say that about himself and others, and I would imagine he's saying this about Trump right now. And I would concur. Trump does not get his huge ego or self-esteem from them. Look, Obama went home to Michelle every night. I get why he looked to the media to massage his ego and to make him feel better as a man. Trump goes home to Molina, or, well, I don't know who Trump's going home to, to tell you the truth, because Molina's not even in the White House, is she? But, but he's married to her. That's his woman. And, uh, and I have a little bit of experience with that, having, having a supermodel-looking girlfriend. Um, I can tell you that my self-esteem... And, and self-respect and stuff, um, they're not tied with the media. There are very few people in this world whose opinions matter to me so much that it could affect me. And most of them are here right now, in fact. Uh, Agador, Mary, and these guys, all these guys in my chat room, I care what they think. And, and they don't know how often I cry at night because of the mean things they say. And <laughs> but, um, yes, so... The uh, I I don't get people who have to go to the media to get their self-respect or their dignity or or their happiness from it. Usually, Republicans are afraid of being called mean things like racist, misogynist. But you know that's been so overblown and so ridiculously overused. Who cares? I we, in in my circles, it's a badge of honor. We introduce ourselves as, as racists or misogynists or whatever you know, the ist of the day is. And, and the truth of it is, is we have thick skin. We don't need you to approve of us, lamestream media. We don't need it. How, how, for one thing, I'm a Texan. I'm a Texan pure through and through. Wasn't born here, but I'm a Texan. <laughs> and that's my mom's fault, by the way. The uh, mother ship was landing in Roswell, and we had to make it there in time for a family reunion, evidently. And uh, and uh, and so I was born in Roswell, New Mexico, against my will. 
but I wasn't asked, and, and somehow my rights as a fetus were not taken into consideration. So MSM screwed up, screw up, helped me get Lieutenant Colonel West as a guest tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is tomorrow, isn't it? Um, conservatives are turning to the alternative news. I don't know if, is that I like using the term alternative because, because then you hear these terms like alt-conservative, alternative conservative views, like, like uh, what's his name? Um, crap, I forgot his name now. The, uh, the pedophile. From CPAC, uh, Yanni or Yami. We talked about him on my show before, and and we talked about the crap he was going through, and and I I warned everybody not to embrace him as a favorite son because he wasn't conservative. Hey, is anybody here in the chat room? Pop over in Periscope and tell me if it's working. I've got weird. I've got two contradicting messages on my screen. It looks like it's working. But I can't actually tell that it is or not. If someone could tell me, I'd appreciate it. So, anyway, um, the the people who make television and radio shows as a living, you know, like people like Alan West and stuff, who are are thinkers that people want their opinions and they go to, um, they are turning to the non traditional media outlets like like Ann of Southern Sense Radio and and uh, and Ken McClinton's uh, TECN network and others they are turning to this because they're discovering that we're fair and that we're honest and that we want to get it right even if it doesn't agree with what we want it to be we'd rather get it right than the Milo Yanniopoulos there you go Ann thank you and Agador's calling. Agador hasn't been in a chat room in forever, and now he's calling people hookers. <laughs> oh, a pro. Well, Ann is a pro. I have to give her that. And um, and I'm, I can I can see Ann dressed up as a uh, prostitute, uh, being an ex-cop. Right? Didn't you ever do any stings as an ex-cop? They just did a sting down here and and um, and nabbed uh, nabbed some more officials from. Uh, colleges and, and religious schools and stuff. I can't remember who or what it, the details were. I heard it, but I was thinking about something, so it kind of just went past my head. But evidently, they were doing uh, prostitution stings around here. So uh, you people who participate in that, be careful. Um, and uh, and probably should just go home to your own wives and girlfriends anyway and not worry about it. Um, alternate media, us non-traditional media are getting our day in the sun. People are recognizing us for what we're doing. We're even now getting a presence in the Trump White House uh, press room when CNN and those guys can't come in there. And uh, and speaking of whores, the media is probably some of the worst of them, but <laughs> they're they are not getting what they think out of Trump, are they? And he's messing with them big time, banning them from getting in the uh, press room and stuff. And they're thinking he should be buckling under all their pressure and kowtowing. He said, okay, I'm sorry. No more. No moss. You know, I, I apologize. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be a better president for you and do everything you ask of me. That's what they think he's going to say. So tell me something, though. What could Trump do that would make the left happy? Betray all of us, embrace Obamacare, double down on it, maybe make a single payer. If Trump came out tomorrow and passed executive orders saying that we're going to single payer and got rid of everything else because that's what they really want, a single payer. If Trump did that, if Trump raised taxes on everybody except, except Democrats, if Trump said not only we're we not building a wall, but we're annexing Mexico – and they all are going to be on welfare tomorrow, the left would still have a conniption fit because he's not them. They would not like him. They would not respect him. They would not give him positive press. They may begrudgingly report his actions, but they would not give him a break. So I don't know what they expect him to do. He's smart enough to figure this out. 
And I think therein lies the problem. These guys think they're the smartest people in the room. And sadly, the Republican Party has not put very many people in the leadership to prove them wrong. I, and look at these people. Look, look at all the people that Trump defeated for president. How many of them have shown their colors since the primaries and showed that they belong in the Democrat Party? Kasich is a blaring example. Of course, we got rid of the Cheeto Boehner as a speaker, but look at the things that they are saying about Obamacare. And it's exactly what I said when Obamacare was being passed and the Republicans were bragging that no Republican signed or, or voted for Obamacare. And I said, don't let them fool you because they want it, because they think this is going to kill the Democrat Party. It did. They think they were going to take over power. They did. And then they were going to have Obamacare to use and weld for themselves to spend money indiscriminately. They are. The problem is it's not going to help them retain office by doing that. They don't get how angry we are in this country about these things. They don't get what we're after, what we really want, and why we want it. They are so out of touch with us. Even the people who we thought were our Tea Party compatriots who we sent to Washington have been co-opted so fast it was like a spinning door. Whoop, shoom, and they're in a different world mindset now. And they're going to pay a price for it. The off-year elections, they start soon. Right? This is 2017. Any month now, you're going to start seeing election commercials and people politicking and getting ready for the midterm elections of 2018. And I think, and I can't wait, and I'm predicting for you right now that it's going to be delicious because we are going to throw out even more. More Democrats are going to lose seats and more Republicans who should be in the Democrat Party are going to be excommunicated, voted out of office, sent packing. And I can't wait because maybe, and I only say maybe because I'm a realist, Maybe they'll get the attention and the, um, they'll pay attention and understand what we're doing. I'm talking about all the politicians right now, Lena, not just Republicans, but specifically, yes, uh, <clears throat> the leadership of the Republican Party hasn't changed. We put in just people that were slicker than the last set of, of establishment progressive Republican politicians. Uh, Paul Ryan was a conservative when he was McCain's running mate, only because McCain is a freaking communist. And, and by default, that made Ryan look very conservative. But he wasn't really conservative. He's fiscally at best. And, and, you know, I could probably make a good argument. He's not even that. So I believe that uh, we're going to whittle more of these people out. And we're going to be putting pressure on them in ways that they have not ever had before. I saw a rally in Brooklyn, New York this past Saturday against what they think Trump will do to Medicare. The Democrat speaker should have mentioned that it was the Dems under the ACA that cut Medicare by $350 billion. That's exactly right. And, uh, hey, tell Jeff I said, hey, back. And, uh, and congratulations on their last uh, demo over there in England uh, protesting the pedophilia and the government sweeping it under the rugs over there. That really makes me mad. Uh, what, what city was that in again? I always forget that city's name. I know it, but I can't ever bring it up in my head. Um, the Rotterdam, that's it. I keep wanting to say Rotterdam, and then I think about Rodham, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton, and then I can't think of any of it. But, <laughs> but yes, so I think we're going to start seeing some real change in this country because why there are only four, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, but there are like four States that have Democrat controlled legislatures and governorships. The executive and legislature branches are Democrat controlled. Can you get impeached for lying to American public? No, I don't think you can. Depends on the lie. You know, I mean, they were going to impeach Nixon for lying about his cover-up, but, but just lying, no, because the Constitution protects politicians from do, while doing their jobs. They're allowed to lie. 
believe it or not. Um, the and and there's a lot to that, but one of the reasons was because of the necessity of keeping secrets for the state, um, the nation, and Washington and these guys were very cognizant of that fact. And but they also didn't want just because of differences of opinion for us to call the other person a liar and then drag him out of the Congress and not allow him to give their speech. So that's why on the floor of the Congress they're allowed to say anything and they can't be sued. Uh, they go out in the front of the building and say it. They can be sued, but they can't be while they're doing their job on the floor. Um, so the there's like four states that are Democrat-controlled out of 50. There's a fifth that I think there's a governorship that's Democrat, but not – and then the House and Senate, the bicameral split, if, if I'm not mistaken. Or, or it's a unicameral like Louisiana, and so they have a governor of one and Louisiana and in the unicameral of the other. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just they have a split legislature. The rest are Republican controlled, and things are devolving. I don't know what Trump will continue to do, but over let's look at like the transgendered bathroom issues that. Obama tried to shove down our throats with executive order, and Trump came back and said, no, nah, it's not a presidential uh, decision. These are state issues. It has nothing to do with central government, and he devolved it back down to the state governments. That's appropriate. If they keep doing that, and I would argue 99% of everything Congress does is not Congress's business. Um, if they continue to devolve things down to government, or down to state governments, then it will be a de facto revolution and it will change the way Americans want to do things because Americans will suddenly become cognizant of exactly how much pain these programs cost us, how much in money, how much in labor, how much in taxes, how much in pain, how much in, in compliance, these programs are killing us. And the true power of the Democrat party does not lie in how many state legislatures or national legislatures they have. Now, now, let me re-say that for you. The true power of the Democrat Party is not how many politicians they have elected. How can you say that, Professor? Because the true power of the Democrat Party is they are the, power, they are the party of government. And their true power lies in the bureaucracy and all those unelected people with basically lifetime jobs in the bureaucracies. And it lies in the judiciary because of all of the judicial appointments that were made of Democrat judges and justices. And it lies in the fact that the law schools are almost universally progressive. Colleges are almost universally progressive, and their strength lies in the fact that these schools that create all of our great leaders of this country, Yale, Harvard, etc., Columbia, the journalism schools, they produce progressives, not people who can think, not people who are independent, not people who are patriots. They produce progressives for the pipeline of people going into the system. That is where the strength of the Democrat Party lies. And so we need to get it. We need to get rid of the fourth branch of government. Now, I have been calling it that for over 20 years, and people have thought I'm crazy. I actually heard somebody the other day refer to the bureaucracy as the fourth branch, and I'm glad that my terminology is getting picked up on finally, because that's exactly what they are. They are the unelected fourth branch of our government. And it is very very scary to me the power that they have now Trump has come by and said they can't create any new regulations unless they remove two that has got to be causing some massive tears to be spilled in Washington D.C. because they live to build and make regulations and rules for the rest of us to comply with that is their power and if they can't do it, if every time they try to come up with some new stupid rule to make us come under their spell, if they have to get rid of two of their others, then the pain is going to start. 
and they're going to start realizing the math. I mean, look at Obamacare has over 7,000 regulations, right? Well, that means 14,000 regulations should have been removed had that rule been in place when Obama uh, was in office and Obamacare was being created. Think about that now. If they create more regulations for Obamacare, then they have to start getting other regulations. Now, granted, they'll get rid of worthless ones first, but hey, who cares? Let's get rid of them. The more we get rid of, the better. And that should be exciting. So there it is. Let me throw something on here real quick, uh, and let me go get my notes so that we can finish up the show and um, and do that. Let me see here. Uh, what do we want to play? Anything cool here? Yeah, we'll do this. I'll be right back, everybody. There we go. So I'm back. Lent. How many of you guys are religious and participate in Lent? Are you going to give up something for Lent? We talk about this a little every year. I'm reading a book by Hamilton called Creed. That is going to be my Lenten discipline this year. I'm going to read a book and study it, and this one happens to be about the creed of the Christianity, creed of Christianity, you know, the Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I'm studying that for Lent. Why do we have Lenten discipline? Why do we do things? And some people give up Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Some people give up smoking. Of course, they only do it for the 40 days, right? And then they're right back at it, if they even make it 40. (laughs) 
A lot of people don't even make it a week. A lot of people have cheat days where like they'll, you know, they'll give up meat except on Mondays or, or on Tuesdays they can smoke a cigarette, but that's the only day of the week they can do it. I mean, people give up stuff like that. I don't get it. I truly don't. Um, because I don't think that, and I did that. Don't get me wrong. I used to be that kind of person. But I don't really think that's what Lent is about. It's not about sacrificing some carbohydrate that you may or may not want or some vice that you shouldn't be doing anyway for a few days. That's not what Lent is about. Lent is about the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. Okay? Lent is about his suffering and his pain. It's about his sacrifices for us. It's about God's will, though, even more importantly than that. It's about the Father's will and Jesus' complied. He obeyed. Something we can't seem to be able to do. Adam couldn't do it. Got us in a lot of trouble. And no one since has been able to do it. Even Moses couldn't go to the promised land because he wasn't able to obey God. I certainly cannot obey God. I'm terrible at it. But Lynn is about Jesus fulfilling the covenant, Jesus obeying God. And we can't take that out of, we don't want to take that out of context. I am Anglican, and one of the things that Anglicans are notorious for is the resisting of change. We don't like change. We don't want anything different. Just leave us alone. We've been doing it this way since King Henry VIII, and we don't want change. Prince George of England, back in the 1800s, was noted as having said that all change is deplorable. All change is deplorable. Yeah, I kind of see that. All change, good or bad is deplorable. For one thing, anybody's change, whether it's good or bad, will be something different for other people. You might have some good change here. You think you're doing really good change. Like, like for instance, we're going to do good. We're going to make sure that transgenders no longer get bullied in high school. There shouldn't be any transgendered kids in high school, by the way. Shouldn't be. Because They don't have the minus, they're minus encompassed. They do not have the mental capacity to make these kind of decisions for themselves. And their parents sure as hell shouldn't be allowing them to change their bodies physically at that age. It's deplorable to allow that. It's child abuse to allow that. The, we don't let them vote because they're not mature enough mentally. We don't let them go into the military because they're not mature enough. We don't allow them to enter into contracts with people, like buying a house and stuff, because they don't have the mental capacity, the understanding of what they're doing in order to do this. If you can't get in a contract to buy a car or to buy a house, you sure as hell shouldn't be able to sign a contract with some physician to whop off your wiener or to add one on. Why did I go down that road? I forgot now. Change. You think you're helping them out by passing some kind of bathroom bill that says everybody has to allow transgenders to go into whatever bathroom they want. That's change. There are people who came out and praised it, and there were people who came out and got all excited and angry about it. Very few people were indifferent to it. And the thank you, Zarina. The thing here I'm getting at is that all change is deplorable because it bothers somebody somewhere. 
<laughs> it's not easy to do. It's and it's tough. But but is it wrong to change? Well, no. Most of us do not change, but we should. And this is what Lent, I believe, is about. It's about God's will. It's about complying with God's will and obeying. It's about change. It's not about you changing who you are for 40 days. It's not about you being a better person because you're not drinking Dr. Pepper, you're not smoking, you're not drinking alcohol, you're cutting back meat. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure God could care less whether you drink a Dr. Pepper or not during Lent or that you failed to keep that promise to him not to drink a Dr. Pepper for 40 days. I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about that. Lent is about you putting yourself into a state where you are able to change for him, that he is able to use you to affect change in yourself or in others. That's what Lent is about. That's why my Lenten disciplines involve academia. I study to learn, to go out of my comfort zone, to learn what other people may say or think about things. Now, when I started doing this, I started studying the Quran as my Lenten discipline. And it scared the crap out of me. It created change in me. And I enabled God to use me to work for change for others by saying and doing what I do on this show. Change. I called the show Lent, God Making Lemonade Out of Crucifixion. I'm pretty sure that God didn't want his son to be killed and crucified and go through all that pain. But because he knows the future, he knew this was what was going to happen. I bet he would have preferred it not to have had to be that way. But what does he do? Does he will evil on us? Does he will bad things to happen to us? Our houses to burn down, our cars to break down, our you know, toes to get stubbed on the furniture. Does, does he will those things? He does not wish ill on us. He does not will ill on us. I do not believe. Now, I kind of wish he did. You know, I mean, how many of you would wish that God would wish ill on Hitler or my ex-wife or something of that nature? So the, but he doesn't, does he? I mean, you see bad people that are very successful and living very well. So we can tell that God doesn't do that. God doesn't send tornadoes and to, to significantly look for trailer parks to tear them up because that's not what God does. We are in a fallen world, and that's why we have tornadoes. Because not only did Adam and Eve fail God, disobey him, and become fallen, kicked out of Eden, but the earth, too, is fallen physically. And that's something that we sometimes seem to forget. So tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires, these things happen. Not because God wants to punish us, but because the earth has fallen and this is part of the nature, the physics of our planetary environment. But what does God do with these? He makes lemonade out of them. You hear these stories of someone in their room holding the Bible and some object flies through the window during a tornado and plings right into the Bible and it saves his life. You hear about the mom who suddenly is able to pick up a car off of her baby and pull the baby out. You see the way neighbors turn out and help neighbors following a devastation, you know, like the levees breaking or the dams overflowing or fires sweeping through a, a neighborhood. You see God in these things working good, using these travesties, these changes in our lives 
that could be negative only could devastate us, destroy us mentally and physically. And he uses them for change for the better. Lent is a discipline for you to prepare yourself so that you can be a vessel of change for him, for God, for good. That's what Lynn is for. And so I encourage you to find something for Lent to do, whether you're Anglican, Catholic, or not. It's not a bad practice to do. Find something that enables you to change permanently. Forty days of change does no one any good. It's a change of behavior that is important. Giving up Dr. Peppers for 40 days isn't going to do anything for you. It may save your teeth and it may, you know, help you lose a little weight. But 40 days from now, when you start guzzling it again, you're right back on there. So nothing's happened. You're not a better person because you gave it up. Matter of fact, you might even be a worse person because you were bitchy for 40 days, not having your caffeine or not having your Dr. Pepper and stuff. You've done nobody any favors. And you're not any better or different in the long term. So that isn't a decent, I mean, you can do it. If that's what you want. It's you. You can do what you want. I'm just suggesting that there are better things that we can do. We as human beings resist change. Let me suggest you, especially during Lent, but on any given day, if you are a Christian, and even if you're not, but, but it's important if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, and really who cares, but if you are a Christian and you resist change that God is directing, what does that do? That puts you in open rebellion to God. Open rebellion, like Lucifer. Lucifer resisted change. He didn't like the change in, in policy that God had for us humans. And he went into open rebellion against God, resisting change. I suggest to you that if you do not put yourself into a state of mind during Lent for God to work change to you, then you're in open rebellion to him. Now, I know that is a pretty big statement. And you may have to think it out. It may just be so obvious to you. You're like, crap, why didn't I think of that? Maybe, maybe not. But if it's not evident to you, then let me suggest that that become your Lenten discipline for the next 40 days. To think about that, to think about how he works change, how he's going to do it to you, what is he going to change? Because he does not work ill on us, but he uses it to transfigure our lives. He uses bad things in our lives and moderate things in our lives and good things in our lives to transfigure our lives into a more Christ-like transition, which is the whole goal of Christianity, is it not? That we become more Christ-like. And that is the change I'm talking about, to become more Christ-like. We as Christians have one major duty, two major duties. One is to obey God, which we've all failed and will continue to fail. And that's just our nature. And the second duty is to live our lives as if the kingdom of heaven is already on earth and Jesus is back here on his throne. It is our job to live like that has already happened so that others can see Christ through us. They can see that we are religious, that we are believers, that we are true to what we're saying, and we're not fakes. God cannot transfigure your life if you're not open to change and to do that with him. Heaven is spread on earth, and men do not see it. I believe that they are coexisting with us right now. We have five major senses. And I believe that heaven is right here with us on earth already, but we are forbidden to see it. And so that sixth or seventh or whatever sense that it is that allows us to see heaven, we're not allowed to see. But when Christ returns, 
I believe that our senses will be turned back on so that we'll be able to sense that and see it. But that's a whole nother thing. Uh, yes. We open our hearts. I got to. So anyway, that that is what I wanted to talk about about change, about Lent, about discipline and what we're doing and why we're doing it and kind of what you should be thinking in the back of your head about this. The letter to the Philippians 3, 7 through 14, I always thought was kind of interesting. And I want to read it to you real quick. It's short. Whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. My Lenten discipline is to read that every night and to read the book Creed. I have already started it because I couldn't wait, and I've made copious notes all over it. And then after Lent, we will do a show on it. We will go over the book and what I've learned on my, my trials and pathways through this Lent and see what comes of it and see what change occurs and see if I become a better person out of it or, or worse. There's always that possibility. Now, just before the show's over, I got six more minutes. I want I want to apologize to everybody for my lack of doing radio. Now, after Thanksgiving, I backed off because of the duties of being Santa and and all the other things that I do during the holidays. It just was too much. But I intended very much to come back in January and start up again, and I just haven't, and I have barely done it for the last six weeks. I don't remember three or four shows, maybe tops. I want to tell you what's really been going on is that I've been fighting depression. I know I make a lot of jokes and tease and make everybody happy and laugh. You know, it's kind of the tears of a clown thing, but I have been fighting depression and I've been very confused about, who I am for the first time in my life. <laughs> well, maybe not the first time, but I've been very confused about who I am. And I've had to go find myself. Kind of a walkabout, as the Australians say. I've got a huge audience down in Australia, so thank you guys down there. No worries, mates. I'm okay. I just have been very confused about who I am and what I want to do and where I need to be and what does God want me to do. And I've had some very good friends that have stuck by me, Agador, Ken, and, and their advice and their toleration of me venting and, and being frustrated and being very unlike the professor <laughs> in private. But they've helped me walk through this and they've helped me think and I believe I'm back on the right path. I believe I know who I am again and what I want and, and where I'm going. And so I've been thinking about this a lot because there's been a lot of crap out there about PTSD and, 
And the left has been coming out claiming that the whole Trump election is the equivalent of PTSD like we have in the military. And you don't have to be in the military to have PTSD. I mean, if your house blows up, or, you know, you, you survive a tornado or a fire or something, you, you can have PTSD. Trust me, it's post-traumatic stress syndrome. If you were married to my ex-wife, PTSD is an automatic rating. But because Trump won the election, you know, I want to barf when I hear crap like that. And the way our government does things, it makes people that have some difficulties or problems, it makes it hard on them. For instance, if I admit to PTSD or depression to a physician or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, then I could lose my right to defend myself with a gun. I could lose my rights to the Second Amendment simply because I say I'm confused about who I am and I'm a little depressed. If I admit to the military to the VA that I have PTSD and I'm depressed and I'm angry all the time and I have had a lot of anger issues. Trust me, I have been I haven't been a jolly elf since Christmas. <laughs> I run very much the risk of losing my civil rights. I run very much the risk of someone in the VA seizing my bank accounts and paying my bills and taking my VA check away from me and spending it how they see fit. I very much could lose my Second Amendment rights my Fourth Amendment rights, my right to freedom and movement. And you have to be very careful about those kind of things. You should not have to worry about those things if you need help and you want to get help. We need to relook at these things, these mental diseases, these problems in our country. The things that women in our military go through, the rapes, the, the abuse and stuff. Um, I've got a very good friend. Most of you guys here in the chat room know her. And she went through this. Terry was raped and abused and then was punished through the system, the VA system, because of it. We need to look at these things again. We need to stop being so worried about Occupy Wall Street people burning down buildings and throwing bricks through stuff because they're unhappy with an election. And we need to turn and sense that, you know, these people need to be institutionalized. They need to be put in jail. These people that are transgendering their bodies, they don't need to be going through medical procedures. They need to go and get psychological help. And parents that allow their kids to transgender their children should be put in jail for child abuse. We need to take the stigma away from mental problems and remember that these things are chemical imbalances, they're physical problems, they're mental problems. They're not because you want to be that way. And I've run out of time. I apologize. We will catch up on this again. We'll talk about Trump. I'll schedule an ad hoc show this week if I can. I love you guys. I'm very glad I'm back. I'm hitting the ground running, and, and I'm back, okay? Holy week. But I am back. The professor is in charge and at large, except for when he stands next to Ken McClinton, who is celebrating seven years in radio. That is amazing. If that was in, in, in feet, that would be his circumference of his belt. That is fantastic, my friend. The Exceptional Conservative Show, find it, theexceptionalconservativeshow.com. And listen to it or go to SHR Media and find it and listen to it. God bless everybody. And on Southern Sense's Common Sense Radio Show tomorrow has, on Blog Talk Radio here, has Colonel Alan West, a friend of mine who lives just about 50 minutes from me. Thank you, uh, Saul, for coming here. And uh, welcome back. Look for the uh, show tags or follow me so you get a message and know when it is. Click follow. Drag your friends and enemies here. I'll see everybody in the next show. Bye, guys. I'm out of time. Toodles. (laughs) Toodles.